Hello and welcome to the North Bank Podcast, where we chat all things Arsenal. I'm joined as ever by Steph and Chris. Hi guys. Hello. Hello. You doing all right? Yeah, cold. In the man cave. <laughs> it's cold. cold. Cave. It's been chilly today. We're into that season where I have to put the electric heater on because I'm banished into the... the... <laughs> You'd rather be nowhere else, I know. Quite. <laughs> so look, we're looking back at the, I don't know, comfortable 3-1 victory yesterday against Burnley not the five you predicted unfortunately no but more than the one Steph predicted <laughs> yeah <laughs> happy to be wrong uh, yeah um no it was it, I think Steph you said at the time it, it was comfortable but it wasn't comfortable but it was comfortable it was like well there was the period between 3-1 and Vieira getting sent off when it was comfortable I would say but even after that Burnley well, after didn't. Fiera went off, it wasn't comfortable. But That's Burnley what I'm didn't saying. create anything. It didn't feel like that when we were watching. It just felt like backs to the wall and I thought, oh God, here we go. Yeah, see, I, yeah. I mean, that's just perception and kind of the emotion is, of us that, in exactly, the ground. Exactly, of course. Uh, so on the match stats then, I mean, obviously we won the game 3-1. 1 half uh, halftime, that, the timing of that first goal was quite, quite crucial, I think, just in stoppage time at the end of the first half. That was always nice. We had 16 shots with eight on target and... At the time, we 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 all said that this Burnley outfit were a lot more threatening and uh, than the Sheffield United team that we faced mm. a couple uh, like, uh, the previous home game, and it's borne out in the stats as well. They had eight attempts on goal, five on target, and it did feel like Raya was the far far the busier goalkeeper in the first half, certainly, mm. and and he was, and and then the corner count was thirteen to three. I haven't got the possession stats there for some reason. Uh, the goals came Trossard's just before half time thought we'd start the second half really start really fast but we didn't um they equalized on 54 but then Saliba scored on 57 Zinchenko scored a quite fantastic um I don't know what you call that scissor kick bicycle yeah. not bi- I call it a decanio because he did <laughs> okay, famously yeah, that yeah. goal against yes. um whoever yeah. it was oh god it was probably about 20 years ago now I'd have to say decanio's is a little bit better yeah decanioed it He's oh, Zinchenko'd it. It was at an angle, wasn't it? The yeah. Canio's one. Yeah, I got the impression so. that Zinchenko miskicked it a little bit. No, <laughs> no, no. I, I, the way he he struck it, he didn't. He kind of passed it almost as well because if he'd have really hit it, it would have been in Rosette. The the way he he met it was just perfect. He just put enough weight on it to get it kind of up and down. I thought it was perfect. Well, from our angle, I thought it was going out for a, a, towards the corner flag. <laughs> At one point, I couldn't believe it hit the back of the net. So, mm. a testament to how it's high quality, I guess. Yeah, I've seen a lot of comparisons to the Karate Kid ending. That's good. I like that, yeah. yeah. Um, and then in the 83rd minute, Vieira saw red. And Steph, I think you said, it was someone tweeted that it was, oh, the good old days, Vieira yeah. and red in the Vieira same sentence. Vieira red card. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's um, the first player to uh, receive red cards uh, uh, 20 years between them. (laughs) (laughs) So anyway, they're the match stats. Steph, what's your kind of main takeaway from the game then? Well, I'm still wrestling with how to... Look, we needed three points. We needed no more injuries. We are weirdly sort of welcoming the... uh, break for international football because we can hopefully get a few more bodies back um and yeah it uh, a friend of mine who i traveled down on the bus with said it was a game we were never going to lose but 
on more than one occasion conspired to try not to win it. <laughs> and so it, it did feel like that. You know, Burnley sort of huffed and puffed. They were better than Sheffield United, albeit, you know, their team was a bit more settled. I, I saw on the highlights later on that um, it's the first time company has picked the same side in succession, successive games. Um, so they're obviously settling on on, on something and, and they they were okay, but you felt like we had further gears to go, used our set pieces well, never really looked like conceding despite them having a couple of good efforts in the first half. It's just, yeah, it's just a weird one. <laughs> Chris, how do you feel about it? Help Steph out. It, I think walking away from the ground, my overwhelming feeling was that the international break has come at a good time because we looked pretty, say, threadbare. But any more injuries, and I think we were in trouble, you know. And, and the fact that we brought subs on and it made us significantly weaker, I thought, you know, for the first time, you just saw how much we missed our first team players and that the bench was obviously as a result not as strong. So I just feel Burnley was a good opponent for us. I think anywhere mid-table and above, we may have struggled. It was a kind fixture and the, the placing of it, like I said before the international break, hopefully we, we can get our kind of attacking spine back. Jesus, Erdegaard, I know parties a while away, but Erdegaard and Jesus would make a huge difference. Do you, do you think if it was a bigger team that Erdegaard would have started I think I think that I think they'd have found a way to play him to be fair do you think yeah mm. I'm, I don't I'm know not sure he... because there are reports coming out now about Ben White mm. um he apparently saying he he was okay but the the club in whatever capacity whether it is just the medical staff or whether it is the coaches or, or Arteta probably you know ultimately the final say basically saying no you you step out of the limelight again an easy decision to make when you're playing a newly promoted side at home. Had it have been, a, a, you know, a rival at the top end of the table, mm. um, home or away, that, that decision becomes a bit more difficult. So, you know, the, the, the opposition was kind to us and yeah. we, we, we could afford to, to, to play with basically the same team we did midweek against Sevilla. Uh, and I think Havertz, we weren't to know that he was going to have a bit of a stinker, <laughs> to be fair. Uh, I think he kind of earned that right eight berth to to prove that he could do it at home against Burnley, and it, you know he should have done a lot better. And it's just a shame he didn't. Hmm. My main takeaway is finishing the game with nine men and winning isn't for every team in North London. <laughs> <laughs> How true! We'll get onto that yes. a lot as well uh, later. That's I'm wonderful. Sure. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You've referenced there the team the team news and it was pretty threadbare on the bench. Uh, I just want to make a nod to uh, Ibrahim. I'd never heard of him, but he's a 19-year-old combative midfielder. That's all I now know about him. <laughs> so I just did a quick <laughs> a quick search for him. Just thought we'd give him a mention because he did he did uh, rock up on the bench and he was a new name on the bench. Sago Junior was there as well. And was it Walters, Rural Walters, who has actually mm-hmm. played for the first team before, hasn't he? So is it a fullback? So we, had, mm. we were, for once, we had a few kids named on the bench, which hasn't always been the case this season. And in terms of the team news, well, we all picked the same or predicted the same starting eleven, And we again got caught out just by the one, the one position. Uh, Tommy Asu played uh, right back in place of Ben White. 
as you've just said, he's he's been carrying something. It was a bit vague, mysterious as to what his issue is, but he's got well, to, to, he's got three weeks rest now. Hopefully, he he comes back in. But I think at the same time, when we saw the starting eleven, did any either of you two think, oh, that's not good enough to win this game? No, no. not at all. No, so. Then what do you think then of the first half then, Steph? How we started it, grew into it, what was it? like? The, the, the obvious parallel is with the Sheffield United game because they're two promoted teams and uh, we'd, we'd started cautiously against Sheffield United, but then they didn't really high press at all. Whereas Burnley were much more on the front foot, I thought, and they got at us. A lot more. They did. They'd obviously sit back as well. Like they did. They weren't just gung ho. So, what did you make of the kind of first half start and then build up as it progressed? Well, it, it sort of reflected the trend of the season in that we're not going breakneck speed at the start of games in order to. I I wonder if there's a couple of reasons. One is we have been caught out on occasion. Uh, you know, famously against Bournemouth. Um, and I think Southampton was another team that, that caught us um, napping early, uh, especially last season. But also I wonder, there, there seems to be a definite emphasis on treating the season as a marathon and not a sprint. Last season, I was reading something earlier uh, comparing, um, I think it was looking back at the sort of first 10 games. And last season, we basically picked the same team for the first 10 games whereas this season because of a number of reasons like injury uh, mainly injuries we haven't been able to do that and there's been almost twice the amount of changes um, than Arteta made last season and that you know might explain a, a sort of lack of fluency a little bit um, a few relationships still not quite there and and as well as a couple of new faces trying to bed into the team as well um, but it it was a, a fairly slow start, you know, like, you know, two boxers kind of feeling each other out and trying to see where those sort of weaknesses lie. And you mentioned Havertz earlier. And yeah, overall, we we all sort of want to see a little bit more from him. And I've spoken to a, a more than one person who says, look, he's 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 tidy. He's, you know, efficient with what he does with the ball in the direction he's facing. What we're looking for is a bit more on the half turn, you know, a bit more vision that, that when he receives the ball, it doesn't necessarily just go back where it came from or, mm. you know, take that easy option, that he's willing to get that foot on the ball, risk, turn, move, shift his marker, whatever it might be, which Odegaard does, you know, excellently, which uh, Martinelli will take and beat a man. You know, Havertz has a different skill set because he's got a different physicality but I I wonder if he's still trying to dust off the cobwebs of playing that number nine and and actually if he was playing number nine you'd, you'd almost welcome that you know back to goal link up the play allow players deeper to come on to you but when he's playing in you know what I call the sort of attacking midfield sort of area people talk about uh, what is it position number 10 or 8 or whatever it might be that's fine, but you've you've got to have a kind of 360 view of things when you're in that position. And it feels like he's a bit 180 degrees at the minute and just want that little bit more sort of dynamism from him. I didn't think he was like, yeah, it wasn't great. 
I, I, I wouldn't go so strong. What I've, what I've been finding really funny is a lot of people saying, oh, he was hauled off after <laughs> however many minutes. And I, I do feel like hauled is a, you know, quite pejorative term that, you know, allows a sort of narrative to build around yeah. him. But, you know, the, the He support... was ineffective, largely. Yeah, exactly. And it was I interesting that Vieira came all. on. Pardon? Yeah. I didn't think he was that bad at all. <laughs> I was surprised, Chris, when you when you started slagging him, slagging him off or slating him. I was like, oh, OK, I missed that. I didn't see that at all. But there you go. Well, for, for, like you say, for the first 35, 40 minutes, everyone was a bit flat in a way, um, in, especially in terms of creativity. But that's been true of a lot of games, a lot of games in which Odegaard himself has played. So there's there's clearly a different approach. And I think it's this... You know, it's it's us getting used to how we approach games um, as much as the the team looking to evolve as well. We're, we're simply not playing in the same way as we were last season. There is an evolution taking place, no matter how much we might, you know, not like it. Look, football fans want, you know, exciting football. We want shots on goal all the time. And, you know, it's the same wherever you look in football. We want the shiny new transfer. We want the spectacular. It's it's all very sort of um, bombastic is is what we're looking for. And, and I feel like Arteta's going for something that's a lot more subtle um, that we're still trying to sort of figure out. And that feeds into the atmosphere a bit as well, because, I mean, I sort of predicted that the atmosphere would be flat because it's Burnley three o'clock and and sort of so it proved really. Again, I've seen a lot online about the atmosphere yesterday where mm. that people thought of it. Even some people were saying that oh, after we scored the, the Trossard goal, there was a, a muted reaction to that. And other people pointed no. out, well, maybe it's because Trossard was lying. Yeah. Yeah. On the on the ground, like yeah. so, I don't know. But I, I again, I didn't. I don't know what game I was at, but I I didn't think the atmosphere was that bad. No, I I didn't, and I thought home to Burnley. I thought was all right. There was no. There were opportunities for the crowd to get on the players' backs, but they didn't at all that I can remember. Um, I I think we are becoming conditioned by by this new approach. But yes. I just want to say. One thing we wanted to know at the start of the season was, has Arteta learned anything from last season? Well, I, I think that's his biggest lesson. First of all, rotation, which I think he's done okay with. His substitutions have largely been effective, apart from the Fulham game. I'm not going to let it go. Um, <laughs> and, but the other one was, like you just said at the start, Steph, that it's a marathon. <laughs> Don't hit you know don't peak in november you know you want to be peaking in march april may so maybe that's it chris what did you think of i, I think just time? while i've remembered i i think that's absolutely spot on and the, the there is a trade-off almost in the fact that with this controlled way of playing he's i'm sure arteta has said the crowd might get on you a bit but you've got to carry on playing this way a few of them yesterday, you noticed they were kind of doing that, come on, waving their arms at the crowd every so often. A few players, and it's usually Martin that does it, and there's a few of them at it yesterday. Um, Saturday? Yesterday, yeah. <laughs> it's been a long <laughs> just night. Feels, it just feels longer. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, going back to the kind of the first half for me, um, and I know, again, while I remember on Havertz, it wasn't like he was 
he was awful. It's just, I think the bar has been set of expectation and he's become a lightning rod. And when he missed that header, it was, ah, mm. th- there's, you know, there's a focal point for everyone's, oh, for God's sake, you know, 65 million. And when you compare him to the other signing from last year, Rice, who isn't posting below eight out of 10 every game, you know, he's phenomenal. And I don't think that's doing him any favours uh, the way that Rice has started. So I, I just feel like it's there's a lot of comparisons going on and expectation with Havertz. And he doesn't make us stronger. That's the bottom line for me. I look I look at our team. Rice makes us a hell of a lot of a stronger outfit. Okay. And I don't feel Havertz takes uh, us on at really? all. Yeah. Maybe he's one of the main reasons we're having a lot more controlling games, which is what Arteta wants. Well, I guess you'd never know in that if you replaced him with someone else of a similar ilk within our setup already. We we don't know. That's kind of hypothesising. We don't really know whether he, we would be less effective, but it just feels to me like he hasn't improved us. And yet, again, compar- comparative stats across, uh, you know, the, the start of last season and the start of this season. Yeah, we're not creating as many chances, particularly from open play, but we're conceding so many fewer chances. And I think... Y- you're right, Chris, in that, you know, clearly Rice has improved us because he's snuffing out those chances. Mm-hmm. It, he He's covering so much ground. He's he's allowing us... The, the control in the game is because we're not under, you know, duress from the opposition as much as we were before. So therefore, you're looking at Havertz in a more, Havertz in a more advanced position about what he sort of brings to it and... You know, well, that's the other thing. His position, isn't it? Is is that he's being repurposed, and we're kind of scratching our heads, wondering where his best position is. Mm. And that again is something that he's got to to kind of overcome and prove to us that yes, I can play in midfield. But I mean, back back to Burnley. I thought they were a pretty good outfit, you know, in the way they set up, and it felt like, like I said, it was a good team to be playing. Uh, but I actually thought their level was was pretty decent, and it was. I think I posted to you guys. Sheffield United vibes and when we got that last minute goal at half time we really needed it yeah I think I think we can all agree that that timing of that was brilliant because I did not want to be going in at nil nil then then it would have got a bit tetchy especially if the, the goals had gone the way they'd they did go in the second half if Burnley had taken the lead in the game that, that would have been fun that the, their number 30 Koliyoshi or I'm 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 not mm. I don't know how to pronounce, he was really tricky like he, he was a real threat Koyosho, right. He's the one that um, nicked it off of uh, Tommy for yes, the goal. Yes, For all Burnley's endeavour, though, where where are their wins coming from? Because it was interesting then seeing Bournemouth play Newcastle later on in the game. And yes, Newcastle have got all those excuses. We've got so many injuries. Oh, woe is me. Oh, poor Eddie Coward. Um, <laughs> and yet Bournemouth are, are, are sort of improving. Dominic Solanke scores six goals in the league, which when you're a team down there, mm. that, they're so valuable. And a proper striker. Just feel like I, I said before that, that Burnley do remind me so much of Norwich in that, you know... Endeavour, sticking to principles, you know, trying to play in the right way, whatever that might be. But I just don't know where the wins are going to come from. But they lost their striker, didn't they? Who mm. bowed out from mental health issues. Very bold move, I have to say, from club and player to come out with that. Who's that striker, Chris? What's that? 
Lyle Foster. Lyle, yeah, Foster, yeah. Has bowed out for the time being because of mental health issues. Oh, I didn't know that. No. And mm. well, it's just worth mentioning because it's something that may have been brushed under the carpet a few years ago. So I just think as yeah. part of the kind of culture of the game, him coming out and and Burnley the club as well have have come out and made a statement as well supporting him. So was this at the start of the season or is this? No, just last week. Oh right, just before okay. our I missed game. that completely. Missed that completely. Oh well, good luck to him. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Um, Football is getting better at that. I think. Yeah. Yes, we've got a way to go on other oh, aspects. Sure. But, yeah. <laughs> Until you hear some of the chanting. <laughs> mm. Yeah. The, the Arsenal goal then, Trossards, the 1,000th prem, uh, goal at the Emirates from Arsenal. How many do you think you've seen? <laughs> Not enough. God. Yeah. I spent 10 years on the bloody Just, season ticket waiting list. Having to, to sit s- down and work it out. Scramble <laughs> around <them>. for <laughs> red member tickets whenever they came up. For nothing. So, when that when that stat was um, announced uh, in the stadium, actually um, over the tannoy, he said in the mm. thousandth Arsenal's thousandth goal at the Emirates. Uh, Steph, you said we should do a, a podcast on you know the best Emirates goals, and then what does what does best mean? And is it the most iconic, meaningful, aesthetically pleasing, um, technical? aspect of it what what goes in so you, you did a little poll on on twitter and you, you you jotted down correct me if i'm wrong the juru goal the scorpion kick that's the wilshire goal against norwich was it that's it on did you not no i thought you had a third did you not have Henri against and Leeds? Henri's comeback goal yeah right okay so Those three and then other as another selection it will be interesting to know what people think because everyone's got their own stories haven't they for for these and reasons as to why they're important and recency bias will come into it as well with Reese last season well yeah we 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 were arguing off air about that well no I was arguing off air about that with yourself (laughs) (laughs) no it wasn't yes it was (laughs) most most iconic uh, Emirates goal would be Reese Nelson's 97th minute winner against Villa, Villa wasn't it? Bournemouth, Bournemouth. Um, Bournemouth. And um, if we'd won the league last year, it just would have been everyone's first. Go on, Steph. The, well, the same could be said for Danny Welbeck's header against Leicester. Yes. Had we gone on to win the league. The problem is we celebrated like we had. <laughs> but But there's nothing wrong with celebrating like you have and then it not feeling like it should be diminished by no, the prospect of not winning the, no, the league. No, but retrospectively. Well, yeah, of course, retrospectively. But so that's what we're talking time, about. We're talking about a thousand goals. Go on then, Steph, again. Well, so, <laughs> therefore, considering we haven't won the league since we've been at the Emirates, <laughs> you've just got to judge them in terms of their individual context. <laughs> so I, I'm on that, on that then, I, I'm going to add two goals to to a list, right? The f- both against Spurs, and I, it was just the memory of Torreira's goal against Spurs when he oh. smashed it in oh. and ripped the sh- jersey off, and they just sprint- sprinted towards the corner flag in front of us. Especially after Dyer shushed us early in the game, yes, literally yes. our corner as well. Was that Aaron? Ram- <laughs> no, was Aaron Ramsey on the bet on the subs on the yeah. sideline? Then he came on and he shushed him back when we took the lead. <laughs> that was so a funny chant yesterday, actually, when Aaron Ramsey came on. Yes. Did you hear the chant when yeah, there yeah. Aaron Ramsey said, first of all, it started with there's only one Aaron Ramsey and then someone shouted out, you're, you're just, just a, a shit Aaron Ramsey. 
Good, no one followed vision. mine where I was just going, there's only two Aaron Ramseys, but no one was interested in that. There's only two Aaron Ramseys. There's only two Aaron Very Ramseys, witty. Apparently. Yeah. <laughs> they don't know how lucky they are in your little quadrant, do they? <laughs> I think they do. <laughs> um, and the other goal I want to add to the list, also against Spurs, is the Fabregas goal where second we, one? Yes, the second one where yes, Van Persie yes. scored on like forty minutes, and within fifty seconds, <laughs> uh, Fabregas like that was a, a, an elevated moment in the grounds. That that mm. was. I see. Well, so, I'm gonna. We, we really need to save it for the actual episode when yes. we do it. But you've just reminded me of um, the two goal comeback against Villa at home when Fabregas was playing on a broken leg. <laughs> did he score a penalty? Came up, scored as a sub with a broken leg. It's amazing. What a player. Yeah. So, okay, yeah. Let, let's park that one and we'll we'll set our minds to structuring some kind of pod around that during the um, the next few days. Put so. loads of calls out. If people have got their own, you know, email in um, hello at thenorthbankafc.com. Tell us about your favourite mm-hmm. goals at the Emirates. Yeah, and hit us up on the socials. On the socials, yeah. I'm sure Steph will come up with some exciting uh, <laughs> messaging. On Insta, <laughs> TikTok and Twitter. <laughs> okay, so look, we went in half time, 1-0 up. Uh, we wanted a, a, a quick start to the second half. And of course we got that, but it was from Burnley who who <laughs> equalised on 54 minutes. But their parity didn't last very long. And within a few minutes, we'd, uh, we'd taken the lead again. So Steph... What were your kind of thoughts on the second half in general then? I suppose there's a few, the few key talking points would be the goals, but also Vieira's um, red mist and just generally how we saw the game out because I know we said that we felt it might have been a bit cagey, but was it? Well, that's that's what I was going to say. Like the incidents of conceding a goal, going a man down, then losing Jorginho as well right, right, right late on. Uh, it made it feel really cagey, but actually did Burnley threaten that much. You know, they mm. did all the right things, but we defended so well. I mean, Saliba's just the gift that keeps on giving. And when you think of, you know, great defenders uh, sort of down the years, it's it's interesting that there's, again, it, it, it's like football, football fans see two different sort of things. You know, we love Tony Adams because he's, because of his passion and his clenched fist and his trying to spur the team on and, you know, digging in and in the trenches, you know, caked in mud and blood and all thunder and all that kind of thing. And then Saliba's just ice cold. <laughs> He's like mm. an assassin. He's just sat there waiting, but, but like one, steady handed. Once Adam stopped drinking, he became a very good footballer. Well, I mean, but there's the other thing. And, you know, he had Boldy uh, aside from him, who again was his more, much more sort of quiet, reserved character. Could handle himself, but uh, was much more quiet and reserved. Even when you look at the, the pairing of, of Sol Campbell and Colo Torre, you know, Colo <laughs> Torre, you know, famously Wenger tells stories about him just being this kind of like... <laughs> like but the like, trial was the funniest trial thing. Game. Was his trial, trial, yeah. Game. He says, you know, <laughs> he goes in doing? like heavy two-footed tackles on Dennis Bergkamp. No, 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 Colo. We've got a game at the weekend. <laughs> okay, boss. Bang. Smashes Henri. <laughs> and then smashes Vieira, uh, uh, Wenger. Wenger himself. <laughs> so, we you sign know, him tomorrow. <laughs> the rest is history. He's got this energizer bunny quality about him. And then Sol Campbell, who's just kind of like mopping everything up and batting everything away. So it's it's interesting that you know we sort of appreciate both and 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 
everyone's just got positive things to say about Saliba. And that kind of made everything feel a lot calmer. Yeah, the goals were what they were. I, I hate, I wouldn't ever really think this too much, but, you know, there was a reaction to going a goal behind. I wouldn't say it was ever good to concede. It wasn't what we needed, but there was a reaction um, and we, we pressed a lot higher. And then ultimately, and I, I did make a note of this, that we've sort of become set piece kings <laughs> a little bit. Um, I've been reading up a lot more because it sort of came up in recent weeks, but also after this game in particular about this Nicholas, um, I'm going to say Yova, but I'd Jova, say Yova, yeah. uh, the set piece king, uh, the set piece king, the set piece uh, <laughs> trainer that we've got because actually, you know, corners, uh, free kick routines, just the, the height we can exploit now from those um, and variety. is really playing an advantage for us. And in tight games, yeah where, you know, you're not necessarily creating lots of chances and you're trying to keep control of the game, well, set pieces can be a real, real boon. Something you can control, you know, outside of all those uncontrollables. Vincent Company said that, actually, in his post-match chat. He said that it wasn't the relentless pressure from Arsenal. It wasn't their uh, creativity from open play. It was their relentless set-piece delivery. Because yeah. the variety we have, I know it didn't always look like there was a lot of variety, but we do with the mm. movement in the box. It's a different mm. thing each time. Like that Saliba move, he didn't do that. I think we had 13 corners. I don't know what corner that was, but we had about six <laughs> or seven before that. And he didn't do that in any of those, but he did it for that one. It was funny because he, did you see the goal? Did you watch Saliba's movement? He ran behind the goalkeeper. He went into the goal around the back of the side of the goalkeeper and then stood in front of him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he, uh, Trafford couldn't get get him out of the way. It felt brilliant. like he didn't jump and the ball just hit him. At the he, time, that's what it, it like. felt he, very. He did jump, yeah. Inanimate. Yeah. <laughs> that's ultimately not... a free header. Yeah. 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 Completely, it was brilliant. But it was that was all about the delivery. You yeah. can have all the movement Tro- you like. Was it Trossard? Yeah. Put that in. Yeah. Trossard was pretty much on corner. Very good most delivery. Of the game. Right in yeah. front of us. Absolutely brilliant. I mean, Trossard was fantastic. Brave going for the goal that he mm. got. Um, and then was just knitting things, you know, really nicely. There'll be games where we need someone with a bit more presence, uh, I'm sure. But actually, the way he's linking up, particularly with Saka, there's that brilliant stat, you know, Saka mm. has set up every goal he's scored this season. I mean, that's just mad from both of them, really. But um, yeah, well, I mean, what a player Trossard is. <laughs> it's coming up to Christmas, so if you want someone with more presence up front, Oh, oh yeah. Hey. <laughs> you can have that there one. There we go. There I didn't go. write that one down though. Chris, you said something in the about the first half, about Havertz in particular, and about that lack of creativity. And Steph, you're just alluding to it now that a, a lot of our threat is coming from set pieces. Um, but I just think we've only had one game this season, one Premier League game this season where our front three, our our preferred front three have started. Mm. And that has to have some impact on the creativity. I mean, you you take Haaland out of the Man City. Mind you, he doesn't create much actually, Haaland. I was watching that game today thinking, he's crap. (laughs) He's got like two goals. It's like, how how does he do this every week? He literally does nothing. Like he's just huge and scores goals. He does one thing. Really, yeah, really better than well. anyone. Yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. just it's just annoying. Pretty efficient. Yeah, yeah. Um, Steph, sorry, had you, I, I, had you gone? Had you finished talking about the second half? Uh, I mean, no. The only the only other couple of things I wanted to mention were 
particularly on things like crosses and things like that, there was a moment where we had a goal ruled out because Saka was a judge to have pushed uh, the Burnley player. And <sighs> do you know what? I, I would accept that decision had it not been a week earlier when mm. something very, very similar, if anything slightly worse was deemed to be okay and it's not just it's slightly off, worse you know just not slightly, just slightly worse, worse slightly worse it but it set off this whole debate again about consistency of refereeing that that push from a a, a winger on a defender compared to you know a more burly sort of central midfielder on a central defender deemed different actions uh, and with different consequences and it just doesn't make any sense but there we go well i've i've got an incident from today's chelsea liverpool game uh, oh, see, chelsea i didn't watch city. i was listening on the radio right. the penalty oh right so the the, pen, the city's penalty it, it mm. was given for a, a, a cucarella's Cucurella, tug yeah. on on harland right which yep. he did yep but After in order harland's for harland order. to get in front of him so it was in the same movement in order for Haaland to get in front of him, Haaland grabs his shirt, tugged him, yanked him back. So he, he got in front of him and then Cucciarella did exactly what Haaland had done to him to, to, to Haaland. And I'm like, so you're talking about inconsistency, inconsistencies. You had a five second play where there were two fouls. One was deemed not a foul and the other was deemed a foul. So ergo a penalty. Like <laughs> make it make sense. I don't understand it. It's just, it's mind-boggling. Can't explain it. Like, well, I mean, Jamie Carragher was blowing his top on um, in co-commentary, which, which as an Arsenal fan in the last couple of weeks, was a joy to hear. That such a hypocrite. <laughs> has he forgotten? Has he forgotten he was supposed to be um, kind to VAR and <laughs> officials? Has he, did he have that little brain yeah. freeze where he forgot who, who pays his wage, etc.? Et but, um, Whereas Phil McNulty on the BBC website said clear penalty. Did you know? he? Yeah. So everyone's got an opinion. But I don't understand. Why is Cucciarella's foul a foul? And why is Haaland's foul well, not a foul? Well, he may have missed the first. He may have missed. I don't know. It's just, it, it doesn't make sense. No. It really doesn't. Steph, any complaints about the Vieira red card? Uh, no. Um, albeit in real time, it might have seemed a little bit harsh. I'd, we can't really have any complaints. He goes in. For me, I, I sort of said at the time that it was a bit of a coward's challenge. You know, he's just stuck a boot out and it's it's got with the guy's knee, like just daft, just really daft. Yeah, it's funny. Mm. When it happened live, I said straight away, oh, red card. All I saw was straight legs and studs up. Yeah, yeah, it you was, could see it, yeah. Yeah. Chris, you were nearer that. To, to, to us, what they look like from your angle? Strangely, I don't know if it was the angle, but it didn't. It looked, it was kind of more innocuous from my angle, and I thought it was a bit harsh. But then when I saw the replay later, I, yeah, can't have any complaints with it. I, I would look back a little bit at Tomiyasu for their goal and wondered if he, he had a split second where he was kind of in control of that situation. And it was a split second. And I just wanted him to clear his lines and just, you know, just hoof it. And he was trying to kind of get control of it so that he could maybe, I don't know, play it, lay it off or something. It was, it was, was a he, split second. Was he fouled? I don't think he was. I think he was overpowered. But there was a split second where he was just about in control where I wanted him to just leather it, just knock it off for a corner. <laughs> Did you think I, he was I fouled? I thought it was six or one. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Yeah. 
Well, my only other thing I wanted to mention was Zinchenko. We've we've talked about his goal, but I feel like Zinchenko had he had a game which was it was like all of Zinchenko in one. <laughs> he was he was inverting into midfield as has kind of become you know the the norm for for this. You know you you have a certain shape when you're attacking, a certain shape when you're defending. He's he has looked a little bit more composed defensively generally. He scored an absolutely spectacular goal, but he after the goal, he's then gone back to he's done a the the gesticulation of trying to get the crowd going, and then when Burnley are pushing for the goal, he's absolutely gone to sleep at one moment, and <laughs> the Burnley dangerous. players yeah. just kind of like run in and then put a cross in, and I just felt like, yep, that's Zinchenko, <laughs> he is all things to all men. <laughs> that that was a funny moment where. He was geeing up the crowd like the arms in the air, and Arteta just copied him, arms up in the air like that. But within ten seconds, Arteta was doing the calm down, <laughs> calm down thing. So Zinchenko had obviously got Arteta fired up before Arteta caught himself and thought, "Hang on a minute, no, no, be calm, be calm. We don't, we don't need any more emotion in this game." Chris, t- from your angle, what what was um, Trossard's goal like? Not Trossard, Zinchenko. Sorry. The way that he controlled it and kind of passed it in rather than leathering it because he wouldn't have been able to because it was so high up. I think that's probably why, yeah, I appreciated it that much more because I think I've tried that a million times in five-a-side and, and the ball is still rising. I'd end up in A&E. <laughs> uh, Steph, anything to say about the Zinchenko goal? You, you compared it or someone on Twitter compared it to... Yeah, Karate Kid, the crane kick. Absolutely great. Yeah. I mean, he That's took excellent. it from Saliba. Saliba was making his move across to try and get it and then, yeah, took it away. And you think it was something like that where you're, doing, having, you're really thinking about power probably, but it, it did control its way into the top corner. It was it was a delight, you know. And again, you, relating it to this sort of atmosphere, you know, those moments were 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 high moments you know there was a, there was a roar from the crowd and you know anyone talking about the flat atmosphere is thinking of the way the game started you know with the remembrance parade with you know a kind of very quiet sort of controlled measured start to the game where Burnley had a couple of shots that Raya had to save quite well actually the the, the one particularly low um, uh, that he had to save was was a good save uh, the other one that was more sort of head height was you know, a bit more routine. I, I would have expected for a keeper, but um, and then you know, in the second half, there's there were there were moments that punctuated that. Look, the crowd feed off what's going on on the pitch. You know, I'd love for us to have that very European style sort of uh, ultra thing. And I know the Ashburton Army are doing what they can, but that's not how. Brit- the no. British people watch football. <laughs> we watch the football by reacting to what we're seeing, uh, and we're watching the game. And and you know when things happen, you know be it, be it good, bad, or controversial or whatever, that's that's when we will we will come to life. And like you say, I th- I thought it was all all pretty good. I mean, there's there are other factors feeding into the somewhat diminished atmosphere. There's a lot of complaints online about you know people loyal supporters who who are not getting tickets this season for whatever reason I don't know how the how the new system is working but uh you you know the Ashburton army itself is kind of dwindled in numbers forced to dwindle in numbers rather than increase in numbers which would build the atmosphere so I you know I don't know yeah there are other things at play as well although I did say 
um, I think in the pod we had that there was one guaranteed, like the previous pod, the preview pod, that there's one guaranteed way to help the atmosphere and that's watch Wolves beat Spurs in the concourse before <laughs> kickoff. Yeah. And lo and behold, that. and I have to say to, to people, I had faith that Wolves would get something out of that game. You two boys did not. And... And you had a little laugh at my expense on about 70 minutes where um, oh, Holly said they'd win 7-0 and they're losing 1-0. Yeah. And I said, hang on a minute, slow down. The corner count's looking good, 10 to 1 in favour of Wolves. Keep the faith, boys. 91st I'm glad and 90- you were right. 91st and 97th minute, never in doubt. Absolute precious moments. <laughs> that, that was a peach, wasn't it? The, the, the equaliser was an absolute peach. Oh, the control. The sl- you, when you slow, sometimes slow motion like doesn't enhance the goal, but the slow-mo of that goal from behind the goal is just a thing of beauty. The way he just cushioned it, but it kind of just rose slightly in the air and it fought, it fell mm. perfectly in line with his step. It was and all about just, the first touch. and he, Yeah, that first touch. And he just then leathered it in. I thought, ah, fantastic. Um, but the winner was obviously scuffed into the corner, wrong foot of the goalkeeper. But you know they've got equal weight those two goals, <laughs> um, and um, Spurs and Spurs wouldn't have lost that game had they not completely capitulated the way they did against Chelsea on the Monday. So it's they've gone from they could have been four or five points clear at the top. Could have to be honest, they could have got points out of that game if they'd just been a bit more measured in what they yeah. were doing anyway. Like, you know, it's all well and good having this, you know, I manage Poster Coglu and I'm going to play just outright attacking football. It's like, mm, fine. <laughs> but these are the moments when that, you know, looks really questionable. Yeah, you might you might have got away with that at Celtic in the, in the Scottish Premier League. But, you, you know, the, an away game in this country, in the Premier League, look at Liverpool away at Luton last weekend. Mm. Spurs away at Wolves. They're tough. There's no easy away game in this yeah. league. Yeah, sure, you can have easy results away at certain grounds, but but before each game starts, you know you're going to be in for a, a, a yeah. bit of a rough ride wherever you're travelling to. Well, you, sh- I mean, I uh, again listening to the radio mostly today. Klopp's post match and Liverpool won three 0 at home today to, against Brentford, but cl- the way Klopp was speaking, you know, he. He said they had a game like Brentford were relentless. You know that that he talked about the fact that they were, had a moment a bit like us. They had six corners on the trot, and he was just kind of like puffing his cheeks out, going, "You know, we really had to come through a real challenge from from Brentford today." And just goes to show that you know a dominant Liverpool team by by the scoreline can still you know feel like they've been through an ordeal, and Spurs mm. will have to weather. More than that. And um, Newcastle away at Bournemouth. That was a, an enjoyable result, wasn't it? It was More great injuries. listening to it on the way home from our game. Very much so. And seeing Trippier having yeah. it, uh, arguing with his own fans. That was oh. spectacular. Mm, Love Chef's kiss. Really Love can't. It. You can't be doing that. No, but. <laughs> you no. really can't. How, what sort of Newcastle fan are you? And you're complaining about where they are now. 
Also, well, as Steph said, it's their sense of entitlement now that they've spent bazillion pounds. Exactly. It works on two ways, because if you look at it from the fans point of view, like get over yourselves, like, you know, you're lost, like just don't be digging the players out. It's it's fine. We've all, we all have a grump, and we, you travel a long way. Get that, you know, Newcastle, Bournemouth, whatever, uh, and and that's all by the by. But then when Trippier comes over, I found it really funny that he was just going, "Did you see how many injuries we had? Did you see how <laughs> yeah. many injuries?" And I'm thinking, "They're your teammates, so you're basically just <laughs> yeah. slagging off all the players that have come in as a replacement. Like yeah. you're an idiot." <laughs> And also, yeah. you're a player. Just, just clap, say thanks for coming. You know, we're really sorry, and then just, just walk away. Like you've now made it a thing. Like mm. there's just ways of handling it. Look, players shouldn't get abuse, but then if players engage, I feel like y- you're you, you are adding a little bit of fuel to the fire. In a perfect world, you wouldn't need there wouldn't be a fire for you to add fuel to. But we don't live in a perfect world, as this weekend has clearly proven. If anyone's been watching the bloody news, then. Just, yeah, just, just, just walk away. Just do the, you know, the hand gesture. You know, you know, look all sorry. Mm, sorry, we'll clap. Thanks for coming, and then just, just, just leave. Yeah, it's, it's bank fine. your quarter of a million pounds, and off you go. Yeah. Well, you, we can get into all that. You know, <laughs> it's also quite small club mentality, isn't it? You know, if Newcastle want to be a coming force, a big team, they've got to be a big team. Whoever's in the side, that you know, they can't be blaming injuries. You know, Man City don't blame injuries when they lose a game. You know, yeah, you lose a few key players and they'll talk be, about the fact that they've lost De Bruyne for several games. It'd be nice if they lost a few more. Well, well, but that's what I mean. To have more of an impact, they need to lose more players, you know. And, you know, all this crying about, oh, we've got so many players out. Well, yeah, we've got Timber, Partey. We've got Odegaard out. We've got Gabriel Jesus, you know, that arguably all starters in our team. So jog on, bloody <laughs> Um, and the Sorry. form team, the form team, the current form team in the Premier League is... It's Man United. Manchester United. It's Man I can't United. I there are only six points off us. Yeah. Man United. They won 1-0 at home to Luton, another narrow one-goal victory. But they're... they're oh, I should get this. Um, my my token Man United, mate, He he's not getting cock-a-hoop about... Being oh, I don't know fo- one Man United fan that is. They're all no, very fed up. No, about the form team. He's um... well. Yesterday on Radio Five Live uh, for Sports Report, Mark Chapman <laughs> checked in with um, the the match of the day team. So that was Jermaine Genus and Ashley Williams, I think it was. And they asked if Ashley Williams was still awake because he was covering the Man United Luton <laughs> game. <laughs> they said it was really, really poor. <laughs> So yeah, he, he said he said yeah we got Galatasaray no uh, what is it Everton away Galatasaray Newcastle away then West Ham he says and throw in West Ham Liverpool and Forest away in December expecting very little anywhere there. But this they're the form far, team. This is how far yes it's mad um, how far their star has fallen at the moment. So there's that um, and then today Chelsea four Man City four. I mean. Hmm. <laughs> There's a lot to unpick in that game, but it it was pretty breathtaking watch as a four four scoreline suggests. When Rodri scored that complete fluke, deflected shot on like eighty five, eighty six minutes, I think Arsenal fans' shoulders slumped everywhere. Steph, give me give us an X N on Cole Palmer's penalty. 
narrative, you see, <laughs> somewhere along. And I sort of said in our preview for the Burnley game, when I looked at the narrative for the weekend, I put, I mean, Man United are always out there on their own. And even being a boring 1-0 win against Luton still perpetuates the narrative because everyone's saying they're the form team. And I picked uh, Bournemouth-Newcastle, which had a little bit of narrative in it. You know, Bournemouth upsetting, you know, the, the, the coming force of plucky underdogs, Newcastle. Sorry, can you tell I went to Newcastle away? Um, but I did sort of say, well, uh, you know, the obvious one is probably Chelsea-Man City. And boy, was it. Cole Palmer from the penalty spot. Oh, magic. Just magic. And also in that game, quality penalty, by the way, very calm and coolly taken because he is, he keeper went the right player. way as well. But man of the match for me was actually Raheem Sterling. I thought he was mm. unplayable at times. So there's more narrative for you as well. Mm. The two former City boys. Is Southgate not picking Sterling for England just because he knows what he can do? Or Don't know. He wasn't is at he the just game, moving apparently. on from him? Because it seems odd that he carries on picking the likes of Maguire and, and Phillips. Calvin Phillips and not Sterling. Sterling's been their best good player all season. For Chelsea all season, yeah. really, in a team that's really quite dysfunctional. But he's been quite and good. And he generally turns up for England as well. Yeah. I can't imagine he's got a bad attitude either. He didn't, doesn't come across as that kind of character. No. So, uh, yeah, Weird. it's an odd one with Southgate. I don't. He wasn't at the game today. I think you'd think that. Chelsea Liverpool would be a game he should really be in attendance at. With. Man City. Oh, again, why do I? What's this Chelsea Liverpool nonsense I keep coming out with? <laughs> I don't know. Chelsea City game would be a game, uh, you know, quite a few English players on uh, on show, but no. He probably interested. went to Saudi to watch Jordan Henderson. <laughs> 701 people at the game. <laughs> he'd have gone with someone he'd have gone with someone Steph 702 702 he wouldn't have gone on his own there he'd have brought Mrs Southgate <laughs> so there's actually only three points covering the top five in the in the Premier League so Villa in fifth and um, City top City uh, is it 27 points or 28 points I can't remember what are we on 27 well they would be on 28 yeah so we're on 27. So mm. so us and Liverpool are on 27. I think the goal difference is like plus 20, uh, plus 16, plus 15 and plus 14, I think, something like that. It's very close in terms of goal difference and goals scored um, and points. So, you know, we're hitting another international break now. How, how are we feeling? We actually didn't perform as well as we thought we would over those four games. It, ultimately, we got seven points. And I think we wanted eight was the minimum. But, mm. you know, draw at Newcastle would have been the eighth point. So, how, how Steph, how are you feeling about those pre, just those, those four games, those four Premier League games we've just had? Yeah, the problem is it's tainted by the events that unfolded at Newcastle because it felt like the result was much more dictated by decisions in the game um, that were hugely disappointing. Um, otherwise, yeah, I mean... You know, comfortable win at home against Sheffield United and, and Burnley. Um, the, the other game was the Chelsea game. Was that yeah, right? Chelsea. Yeah, yeah that so, was I mean, a that was a point saved. Because well. actually, yeah, mm-hmm. we that was probably one of our worst performances of the season. So to to then come from two 0 down, you feel like that's that's a bit of a boon. And and again, Trossard, he's just he's had a really really good sort of period of the season. And just frustrating with injuries that we we're not able to get a settled team out there. You've got to, yeah, with the exception of the Newcastle game, 
see that as a reasonable return. Yeah, I mean, let, let's have a look at those injuries. That's something to look out for over the next two weeks. <clears throat> I, I've written down Saka as a you know some, someone to look out for. I don't know how injured he is, but he's obviously carrying a knock. Hopefully England don't play him in both games for, for 90 minutes. There's no need to do it against the op- that opposition. There are mm. plenty of um, alternative options for Southgate. Erdegaard, I don't know, has he been withdrawn? Has he withdrawn from the Norwegian squad? I don't know, was he called up for Norway? I have no He's idea. He's called up. Right, okay. I know Jesus was called up for the Brazil squad and mm. I've heard that Brazil are insisting that he flies out there and they assess him medically, which is just insanity. I so find we'll it see strange what happens. that it, again, something's weird because Saka was made to do the same thing for England. So mm. something's going on. Why aren't these, you know, international uh, teams trusting the message that's coming out from Arsenal? You yeah, know, when is someone it just, like Reece- Is it happening to other clubs, I wonder? Well, I know we're what, very Arsenal-centric. I don't know whether other clubs are well, suffering Well, Reese James well. is an interesting one because he wasn't selected because he pulled out but he played today for 60 minutes as planned. He, the agreement was apparently, again, this was only said by the commentators on the radio, that having had a discussion with England, um, they felt it was too... For him to... Um, he, he is While he's fit enough to play games, he, they want to manage his return. So then going away to England would add unnecessarily load or whatever it is. Basically, they sort of said, you know, I'll play for my club, but not the country, so I can hopefully come back stronger later. Yeah, so we got the issue with Ben White that we're not too sure of its true nature and how long-lasting it can be. I'm assuming he'll be back for the Brentford away game. Erdegaard, I'm assuming, back for the Brentford away game. Saka, all being well as well for for that game. Um one bit of news I heard this or read this evening was about Emil Smith Rowe and that the, his injury um, update is actually positive. That he expects to be available for the Brentford game uh, after mm. after the international break. That it's not weeks, as Arteta said, it's not as severe as they feared initially. So that's a positive. So we're and Jesus, you know, it's is it. International break, I mean, the first game back to the 25th of November. So early December, we heard, I heard somewhere someone say that he, he, he'll be back at the start of December. So that's only one game missing, one more game missing, really. So hopefully that will be good. I know parties out till January and Timber, obviously, longer term than that. Um, maybe, maybe is this international break too soon to have a little chat about um, potential signings in the transfer window? <laughs> Because we're getting to that point now where mm. looking at our squads, we need to, you know, I, I think we'll be active. The the Raya, um, the structure of the Raya deal put kind of is a little bit concerning in terms of what we potentially can do in, with regards to FFP. If we could only loan, do a loan deal with him with a view to permanent move in the summer, that's not going to have changed in January unless we sell somebody for a lot of money and there was a candidate there not Emil this time it's, but but Aaron Ramsdale I don't know that there's maybe a I mean I'd like to be gutted to see him go in January and I think it would be a mistake because you you never know a mistake from him as well but you can see why he might want to do it for his England um, place as much as anything 
Yeah, um, but so it's, maybe all, we'll it's have all a right. Little... It's all right, isn't it? You know, for Southgate basically to keep picking the likes of Calvin Phillips, even though he's not playing for Man City, and then not be able to make any promises to Aaron Ramsdale when he's not playing for Arsenal. I feel like there's a double standard there. Yeah, def- definitely, definitely. Yeah. So there's quite a few injury players, injury, injured, injured players even. To keep an eye out over the next couple of weeks, see how they whether they do go travel with their countries, how they how many minutes they actually play. Obviously, fingers crossed that those players who've left us in a fit state return to us in a fit state as well. Brazil have a couple of tough games, and they're not doing particularly well in qualifying at the moment. So, you'd imagine that Gabriel will play the full ninety minutes. I don't know is Martinelli a starter? Richarlison's not in the squad. Obviously, he's. Um, has an operation so I don't know does that push Martinelli nearer to the start it certainly would push Jesus to to a start which is maybe why they're keen to get eyes on him themselves Uh, I hope obviously he doesn't go and he has these two weeks and he doesn't risk anything because he only played one game after the last international break didn't he he had played minutes for Brazil and came back started against Sevilla and hobbled off the only other Arsenal thing I've got down here is the Arsenal women they won 6-2 at Leicester. Now, it's a bit of a shock because <laughs> when I checked, they were 1-0 down. So when I looked... <laughs> well, I, I saw they'd come back from 2-0 down to draw 2-2. They were 2-0 down. They were 2-0 down <laughs> and then right. came back to 2-2. And, and actually, I checked the league table. We're second. Three. Only three points behind Chelsea and we had a pretty poor start to the season. I was at the first game when we lost at home to Liverpool. Uh, and then we drew a game fortuitously was that against Man United away, I think it was. So things are looking up a little bit for the ladies team, which is good. Anything else to chat about in the world of Arsenal? I'll just offer a kind of conclusion really for me is that I think this is a good time for a break for us. Yes. And that let's was on the pod? get our boys back. <laughs> or the team. As <laughs> for us, yeah, I, I, I need to do some other editing. <laughs> this is a quick edit, surely. I don't know. <laughs> From one hour thirteen, we'll see how long um, it comes down to. That's one hour thirteen. We haven't stopped yet. That's true. <laughs> right. So look, we got two weeks without Arsenal. Um, I won't be watching any international football because I couldn't care less about it. Um, I'll be just keeping an eye on the Arsenal players. That will be it. So two weeks without Arsenal. We're back on the twenty fifth, five thirty kickoff away to Brentford. We'll obviously be back for a pre Brentford podcast. And at least one about the favourite goals at the Emirates and maybe a, 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 a short one, maybe a short one where we have a look at potential incomings that we'd like to see in January. <coughs> Tony. Um, <laughs> um, God, that's Bless that you. cough. <laughs> I know, it's spreading. It is, isn't it? Um, anyway, listeners, have a great two weeks of Arsenal-free life and uh, we'll catch up again in a couple of weeks. But listen out or look out for our filler podcast in the meantime alright gents thank you very much see you later bye cheerio The North Bank an Arsenal podcast subscribe rate and review on your app and find us on Twitter Instagram and TikTok at North Bank Pod email hello at thenorthbankafc.com and check out our website thenorthbankafc.com Produced by the podcast company. What we could do, you could get, you could find an iconic bit of commentary and get 
a child to read it or something. Make I was going to say, get Steph to recreate it. Yeah, due to copyright restrictions, we've asked Chris's <laughs> six-year-old to, re- to do the... It's up for grabs now. I don't know. It just, you can think of a funny way of doing it to get around. You know, Quite like As that. Martin Tyler said... Aguero! Mark <laughs> <laughs> Abbey! Yeah. Get the get some audience involvement. User generated content. Yeah, say yeah. we we uh, send us your best, best impression. Clips, yeah, yeah, of, uh, yeah, definitely. Just put the put the transcript out there. Yeah, yeah. What's your favourite bit of commentary? And could you do a sound clip it for us? <laughs>